Yes, we promised you those scores for best places to work. This year's best places in the federal government ranking show a mixed bag. Glowing reviews on handling of the pandemic, but leadership issues persist. The Office of Management and Budget scores drop through the floor. Homeland Security makes some major improvements, but still finishes last. The ranking is from the Partnership for Public Service and Boston Consulting Group just out, and Federal News Network's Alizar Mogus has examined them in detail. And Alizar joins me now in studio. And let's begin with the pandemic. How did that affect the rankings, Alizar? So this was the first year that uh, COVID obviously was a part of this. They were really encouraging results this year. Over 86 points was the score on the overall COVID category. The most important one, I think, was the mental well-being score was at nearly 89 points. So employees really did feel supported, and they they also reported really positively that they were getting the resources they needed to get their jobs done at home. So that overall score in their mental health or mental state actually exceeded the job satisfaction average score, which was down around 69 percent. Yes, the overall employee engagement score was around that, but the COVID category was by far the the best category in the entire survey. And you see it really change because you kind of you kind of feel like that means management had a great year. And just review for us again how they get to those scores every year. I mean, the FEVS survey has been out for a while. How do they get to the best places to work from the FEVS? So they use a formula that they've created themselves, and they take three questions from the FEVS primarily to get the overall employee engagement score. And that, that formula is completely different this year because of the COVID category. The FEVS changed, so their their survey had to change as well. So It was a completely different element this year. So it's 482 agencies that they look at total, 17 of the large ones. And they define large as 15,000 employees or above. Midsize is 1,014, 999, and 29 small agencies. So that's anybody under 1,000 employees. So big, big, big pool that they're looking at here. Yes. And unfortunately, if you have fewer than 100 employees, you don't get ranked because I was looking for the Marine Mammal Commission, the smallest agency, and we don't know how they did. All we do know is that every single employee participated from the Marine Mammal Commission. So we'll have to ask them how they calculated their own uh, level of engagement. So federal employees, it looks like we're generally happy with management in 2020, the last year of the Trump administration. I think that's where the COVID part kind of uh, you might you might get misled there because the rankings for the COVID category were so high, but the management category, like every year, it's it's been pretty pretty mediocre. And really this year they got the leadership, overall leadership score was at just below 58, 57.9. And, you, you know, that sounds like not that great of a score, but it's the first time it's ever gotten over 50 in the entire uh, history of the actual rankings. So slight improvements, but it just goes to show that even how well they handled COVID – still management issues are are still there. And the senior leaders got only below a 58 score. So that really is not not good news for the government. Interesting how the scores kind of muddle along regardless of who's in the White House, which I think is proof it's not the president that affects the scores, but who you work for and who's your boss at your agency. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting that supervisors actually got a score of 78. So that's a 20-point difference between direct supervisors and senior leaders. All right. And uh, by the way, we're speaking with Federal News Network's Alizar Mogus. And what were some of the notable individual agency scores? I think the big one that jumps at you is the Office of Management and Budget. Last year, OMB, among small agencies, ranked sixth, all the way down to 29 this year, a nearly 22-point drop. So not good news for them. And then on their Capitol Hill counterpart, the Congressional Budget Office, came in at number one, and they had a big, big score. 
And interestingly, among the mid-sized agencies, the Government Accountability Office was also continuously ranks number one, also a congressional agency. I think you see a lot of the oversight agencies tend to do well in these, and they seem to have the, the workforce that feels the proudest about their work. And then the big one, of course, that happens every year, NASA, number one again for the ninth year in a row. And on the other end of the bad nine-year-in-a-row run is DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, yet again last in the category. And they did see improvements, just not enough. They had about a nine-point swing in overall category employee engagement. But I think it was Citizen and Immigration Services really plummeted. But they did see good scores, TSA, ICE, Secret Service, CISA, all the way up. Yeah, so it is possible to that politics and policy can impinge when things get really crazy like the border and so forth and how people feel about that. Sure, can't. even for the folks that aren't directly handling that, you know, you just see things on the news or you know political turmoil, it'll influence how people react. And we should also point out as you as you said that that 9-point rise for homeland security is statistically significant and they should be commended for getting up nine points from where they were. So there is progress. Let's hope for the best for them. And by the way, how does the federal government compare with the private sector engagement? So it's it's been consistent over the years that uh, the private sector does tend to score better. Um, this year was no different. It was about an eight-point lead for the private sector in overall in- employee engagement. But I think the big one that I took away from it that I was uh, that is a positive sign for feds, they scored 67% that they were happy with their pay whereas the private sector was only at 54%. So that's that's despite the the lead that the private sector has, that's good news for feds. All right. Federal News Network's Alazar Mogus, thanks so much. Thank you. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a BS from the University of South Carolina and an MPA from Harvard University. Rick, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, You think about a pandemic, for example, that has placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is sort of lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And and the idea that we don't have the human interaction, uh, which I think is very important when you think about the empathy that is a a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment chain and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America and certainly within me uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in, in the way I lead. 
to be inclusive, uh, to be uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments, Shane. I, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina, uh, quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a liberal school. And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black, literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year, I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was, you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream, which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have uh, my willingness to to fight for change, and that was that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there've been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, the 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 massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. A very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life, and and it conjured up again these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. And, but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there've been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the US Cha- Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community uh, inspired by that tragedy and now we have a whole broad, historic sweeping, what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think, with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of, of them, of, of what I could. That's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, who is the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most. And that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values. But the one, the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream, which we often define and think of his big, I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that, 
you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the, the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges is seeing a forest despite the trees. It's in an opportunity despite the barriers. And that, that attribute, I think, is one that, that I embody. I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I, I learned and that I tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic. And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service, uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give to feds looking to develop leadership skills? And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of of being a leader, uh, and 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 I, I I built so many friends who were federal employees, not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the. Secretary of Commerce, and I, I, my office was on the floor, the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Jane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet and said, and I told the Secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular, common, everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work. I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself uh, to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are the hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, uh, and, and, and so I think that's a lesson for me, if there was some advice and counsel I could give, is to continue to do your work. But, but we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick, thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, 
confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.